setup <laughs> fun will be had by all lou is with me say hi lou hi there all right this is michael you know my voice by now we've gathered together to tell you that we hide this kind of information in books for a reason <laughs> no snark there at all just not even a little bit what is he talking about well we are talking about everybody's favorite judgment the flood and we are talking about it in light of the idea of wait for it doctrine of the week immutability now you may be asking what is immutability we've covered this before when we talked about the attributes of god but we're going to cover it again because i don't remember what i said to myself this morning i don't expect you to remember what lou and i told you at some point last year when we talked about the doctrines of god so immutability the idea that god doesn't change that will make sense later on when we get to our lovely theology story. But first, let's just dive right in. In order to understand why this matters, again, this is going to be like last week. We're not going to tell you the story because it demonstrates perfectly the doctrine. We're going to tell you the story because if we understand it rightly in context, you will see how someone else is misabusing, misusing and abusing. That's what I want. Misusing and abusing this biblical story to accomplish... What? I have no idea. Now, <clears throat> warning today. We have got a different setup. We got some new mic stands, new mm-hmm. microphone. I am not facing the computer, which means I only have Lou to point at. Right. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to be the object of all frustration here. He's so, going to point at me, probably spit at me. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I spit at you. We have microphone coverage That's now. That's right. <laughs> so, so when I go, Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers, and you know, I don't make the microphone spike and pop and snap every way. See, it's not even spiking. It looks really bar. good. See, yeah. doesn't that look pretty? All these well, fancy toys. Yes, I know. It's like we almost know what we're doing, but we know just enough enough to uh be dangerous, to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. so there you go so all right genesis chapter six reminders real quick and if you want a really really good reminder shameless plug alert shameless plug alert here we go the last two weeks on the worldview foundations podcast a uh, little thing that i'm putting together goes through genesis one two three four and five so if you would like a rundown of what this looks like in context completely go listen to those so so hit the pause button right now go download those episodes listen to those and then come back and you will be all set ready to go all right but just in case you don't do that god creates god gives you the expanded uh, understanding of creation in genesis 2 showing you how he created them male and female male and female get married male and female are placed in the garden they are given one one stinking command, and right. they can't do it. Why? Because humanity is sinful when given a choice, and we want what we want. What can I say? It's how, you know, it's like the scorpion and the frog. It's in my nature. It's what we do. So, humanity rebels. Serpent is cursed. Eve is cursed. Adam is cursed. The ground is cursed. It's like Oprah giving out cars. You get a curse, and you get a curse, and you get a curse. Everybody gets a sin curse. So, nothing works right. Everything is broken. Even the earth has been cursed. Yes, even the earth has been cursed. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why you get that little redemption story in, Gen- in uh, Genesis, in Romans 8. So, 
Curse goes on everything. You see the preserving work of God, both for Adam and Eve, covering their sin. For Cain, when he does not deserve the preservation of God, right. God upholds him and preserves him for the dominion work and the propagation of humanity. And then you also see God preserving the faithful family line of Seth, because as they're having other sons and daughters, we're only following one of those sons. And then he has other sons and daughters, and we follow one of his sons down through, I think I counted it yesterday, 10 or 11 generations. About a thousand years, give or take, Mm -hmm. and you go. It might be fifteen hundred years. To to Abraham, you mean? No, no, no. To um, to Noah. To Noah. So from from Seth to Noah, I want to say it's fifteen hundred years, sixteen hundred years, somewhere in that ballpark. Don't quote me. You're smart people. You can do the math. I have a chart, but I didn't print it out, and I didn't bring my computer to print it out. So you're on your own. But I trust you. You can read Genesis five, do the math, and it will do you good. So God has preserved the sinful. He has preserved the faithful, but. He still is demonstrating his attributes, who he is, and how he deals with this humanity. Enter Genesis 6. It came about when men, be- or when men began to multiply in the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took, them, they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. All right, we're going to pause real quick. Um... Not going to dive into sons of daughters of men and sons of God. Yeah. Lou and I actually disagree on this one. Yeah. I'm not calling him a heretic. I don't think he's called me a heretic over it. No. It's okay. No. Lou, Lou uh, falls on the side of the angel sex. Mm-hmm. I fall on the side of daughters of Cain versus sons of Seth. I think that's a good summary, right? Okay. Yeah. We can go with that. Yeah. We both get to the same place. Sin is abounding. Judgment is coming, right? right. right. Now, just, to, just so you don't freak out later on when Abraham lives past 120 years and Jacob lives past 120 years and Joseph – no, Joseph only makes it to 110, I mm-hmm. think. And Moses gets right to 120 years just so you freak out. His days shall be 120 years does not mean no human being can live past 120. That's not what this means. That's not how any of this works. It means when Noah's given this command to build a boat, he's given a century and a fifth to get it done. And unfortunately, he drinks a fifth when he gets off the boat. But <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, yes. I didn't even plan that one, but it yeah. was sitting right, right there. there. I just I had to. So he's given 120 years. This is why Peter talks about, I believe it's Second Peter, talking about him being a preacher of righteousness. Because the whole time he's building the boat, he is proclaiming the mercy of God. He's proclaiming the judgment of God. And just the act of building the boat is a proclamation of righteousness. Right, right. It is a proclamation of his righteousness being demonstrated as he is faithful, God cleansing him, God covering him because he is faithfully following. And it is a symbol of God's righteousness in that he will judge sin but preserve his promises. Don't you like that Baptist alliteration there? And again, this fancy schnazzy microphone cover doesn't spike the system. See, we're just enthralled over here like little children. (laughs) New toys. (laughs) And I've got the computer angled right so Lou can see it now. So he's like, ooh, this is what you stare at the whole time. Right. I'm mesmerized. (laughs) Yes. Now you know why my brain every once in a while just takes a wild left turn and I have no idea what's going on. Actually, I can't blame the computer for that. That's just me. That's just how you are, right? Okay. So, the Nephilim are on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men, the... uh, Sorry, just my eyes went crossed. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Remember this. We're going to come back to this. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Um, We summarize this with total depravity. Again, it does not mean that every human being everywhere sins in every possible way. What it does mean 
is that human beings are incapable of in and of themselves functioning righteously. That they, they just can't do it, that not even a little bit. They are depraved. And give you uh, the great historical example of this is not even Hitler killed his own mother. <laughs> so there was even a sin that Hitler didn't find a way to commit. But you have committed plenty of sins. You are just as evil in the eyes of God as right. everybody else. Attila the Hun, Hitler, and you. There you go. That's that's the hangout. That's quite bunch. a picture. Yeah, isn't it though? It's just pretty accurate. I mean, we always like to compare ourselves to other people. We're not. We're always the ones that aren't that bad. Well, yeah, because I can always find somebody else worse than me. I can always find Attila somewhere, right? Right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> I can exactly. find an Attila the Hun under a rock someplace. And be like, no, no, no. There he is. There's the really, really, really bad yeah, one. But there's a really bad one. Yeah, no, no, no. The really, really bad one is you. Right. As as Nathan famously said to David, you are the man. <laughs> You are the man. And, and David turned into Sim, uh, Homer Simpson. Go! <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> there you go. So, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Anthropomorphic language. How do we describe God's judgment? We describe it in human terms because that's what makes sense to us. It's not like God's like, oh, darn, I made these people, and they went astray. No. Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God planning, God purposing, God accomplishing. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky, for I am sorry, anthropomorphic language, that I have made them, but, I always love when scripture throws it in there, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And if you want to get a song stuck in your head, go find the old Tennessee Williams videos on YouTube because there's a song and they repeat the chorus 7,500 times. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and he landed high and dry. <laughs> nice. Right, I, I was just going to mention that the, the Hebrew word hen uh, is, is the word that we use for grace. And, you know, it, it goes to show that there's nothing really new in the scriptures from no. old to new. Salvation by grace through right. faith. Right, right. In Noah Christ. was saved by grace. Absolutely. It literally right here. Noah literally found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, run down real quick. Judgment is promised because mankind is sinful. Deliverance is promised. I don't mean the banjo music. I mean like the actual deliverance of God from sin. <laughs> yeah, this has nothing to do with Burt. Re- this has nothing to do with Burt Reynolds in a canoe. All right. Oh my. <laughs> Lou's like, no, no, I need bleach from my mind's eye now. Yep. So deliverance is promised. Noah finds grace. The ark is commanded. We're going to skip a little bit because if we just keep reading through all of this, everybody's going to be lot. like, we can read the Bible. We got this. And I know you got this. You're smart people. But some of these things are really worth covering. So Noah's righteous. He's blameless in his time. That does not mean he is sinless. Right. It means he is covered by the grace of God. Again, he has found grace. So the end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence because of them behold i'm about to destroy them with the earth make for yourself an ark of gopher wood should have just made it an actual gopher i think that might have been a little sturdier a little more buoyant i get exactly you shall make the ark with rooms cover it inside and outside with pitch this is how you shall make it and blah 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 blah. i don't mean to treat it lightly but you can go look at the pictures of the thing they built in kentucky it's actually a pretty good um pretty good representation it's big it's like 150 feet tall 450 feet long i mean it's massive. It's an undertaking. What's hysterical about it is I got news for you. I've seen this thing from the interstate. I haven't gone to the Creation Museum to look at it up close, but if you're driving back and forth to my in-laws, I've driven by it and seen it. Every time I see it, I have the same thought. There's no way that boat should have made it. Right. I mean, <laughs> There's just no, no, rudder, no way that boat should have made it. Yeah, so yeah. 
<laughs> it was a supernatural event. I agree. So Noah's obedient. He follows along. Now, chapter 7, we're going to summarize this. Everything that could go wrong for humanity does. Yeah. It rains. Now, please don't just think of the flood as, oh, it rained a lot. Because no, yeah, look, because I make this joke, I make this joke all the time. If you know we get into these rain patterns and it rains like three, four days in a row, and we're like, oh, if it rains anymore, we have to build an ark or something, you know, yeah. ha 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 ho ho ho. Yeah. I make the joke. Everybody makes the joke. It's like it's like the preacher version of a dad joke. We we we're required to make it, but it wasn't just rain. The earth, the fountains of the great deep. Right. I mean, this is. Um, this is Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny with Spear and Magic Helmet. There is lightning, there is thunder, there is earthquakes, rain, smog, traffic in L.A. There is everything that could go wrong, does go wrong. You're talking about canyons being opened up in the ocean, canyons being opened up in the world, mountains that didn't exist do exist as the uh, the plates, the tectonic, tectonic plates. plates yeah. They're ripped apart and slammed together. The earth is just treated like... You know, garbage. It is balled up, run through the ringer, and demolished. And every ounce of water in existence <laughs> finds its way into the gravitational pull. This is why there's no water on Mars anymore. Is is God took it from Mars and launched it into the flood? There you oh, go. There's gonna somebody's gonna <laughs> listen to just that part. And that's why the little green men hate us. Oh, I knew there was a reason for that. Exactly. So that's why they keep abducting people out of trailer parks in Kentucky. Oh. That choice. <laughs> or West Virginia, your choice. So either way, everything that could go wrong does go wrong. Everything is wiped out except for Noah, wife, Shem, wife, Ham, wife, Japheth, wife. And if you ever want a good – go find that on the John Houston movie called The Bible because scripture doesn't give Noah's wife an actual name. When John Houston <clears throat> – excuse me. John Houston actually plays Noah in that. When he, I think it's John Houston. If it's not, I apologize. Whoever it is, maybe it's John Ford. It's one of those guys. Anyway, whoever the guy's playing Noah, he has too much fun with it. And because he didn't want to go where scripture didn't go in this movie, he didn't give Noah's wife a name either. So he spends all this time going, wife, fetch me the bucket. <laughs> wife, take care of those chickens. Wife, bring the water. And it's like, <laughs> she doesn't get a name. She's just wife. <laughs> So, which, which I appreciate and I understand because my wife half the time doesn't have a name. She's just woman. woman. And it's a term of endearment. Oh, he, yes. he gets the funniest looks. I, I, get, a cra- I get cracked up. He, no. he does stuff and he just lives for that look. He's got to get it once no, a day. She doesn't give me the look for that. It's, my wife is actually offended if I don't call her woman at this point. It's a term of endearment and she understands it. Okay. I called my mother lady because there was a cartoon when I was a kid. Okay, lady, I love you. Bye-bye. And so I, when I was a kid in Connecticut and you grow up in a grocery store in Connecticut and my mother would go grocery shopping on a Saturday morning. If you got separated by more than eight feet from your parent and you went, Mom, in a grocery store at they nine o'clock turn. on a Saturday, like 18 women, yeah. like people that aren't even on the aisle come look for you. Right. So, But if you go, hey, lady, only my mother would turn and look. So it works. So yeah, I just go, come here, woman. Or, and, yeah, my mother was, hey, lady. My wife is, come here, woman. That's just my life. I don't have to remember anybody's name. It's awesome. <laughs> so you get to chapter eight. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark, and God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. Now, and God remembered Noah. Does that mean before that God had forgotten Noah? There's no way. No. Anthropomorphic language. We are trying to explain from a human perspective an infinite God. God is in keeping with his promises, in keeping with the command and the promises given in the garden, in keeping with the promises given to Noah. God is now doing this, and he is working through this. So, 
water recedes, Noah spends some time on the boat. You, you can read the story. It'll be good for it. Now, eventually the earth is dried up. Noah removed the covering from the ark. Looked and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. That was the first month on the first of the month. Now it was the second month on the 27th day of the month that the earth was dry. And then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your wives with you. I always like that part. And I can make a point here because it was almost eight weeks prior that Noah looked out and was like, okay, we're good. We can go out. And he doesn't. And he waits, and he sits, because God told him to get in the boat, God closed the door, he's not leaving the boat until God says, now you may leave, which is good, this is good faith by Noah, this is how you should, God told you to get in, how long do you stay there, until God tells you to leave. Yeah. That's just how this works, and how we're going to make this work. Excuse me one second, we're doing some microphone work, so sorry about that little rub there, Ah, hit my own microphone now. So... <clears throat> God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your wives with you. Bring, you. bring out with you every living thing and all the flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him and every beast, every creeping thing, and you get the picture. Now, if you have survived this, what's the next thing you should do? Well... Well, we've read the story, so we know we know <laughs> Noah makes an offering to the Lord. Yes, yes, this and, is important. And this is no, Noah it built, pleases the Lord. Noah built an altar to the Lord, took of every clean animal and every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The mm-hmm. Lord smelled the soothing aroma, anthropomorphic language, and the Lord said to himself, "I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth." Right. Stop. Two things to note here. Right. We're going to take the second thing first, though. Genesis six five. Why is God wiping everything out? Because every thought of man's heart is evil only continually. Yeah. Well, we've wiped out all of those people. Now Noah is left, the righteous, blameless one, right? It hasn't and changed ev- anything. Yeah, humanity is still wicked, which means Noah is not sinless. He'll prove that later on, but I don't think we're going to get that far today. He'll prove that later on. And in proving that, the blamelessness is not his. It is attributed to him, and it is granted to him by God. The condition of humanity has not changed now that humanity is wiped out. This is not a demonstration of God cleansing from sin. This is a demonstration of God demonstrating his power in judgment, showing you what does the judgment of God against sin look like. That's the purpose of this flood story. This is not, oh, look, God is attempting to wipe out sin. No, he's not. If he wanted to wipe out sin, he could wipe out sin. He's attempting to show you what does his judgment against sin look like and why should you follow righteously. That's what he's showing you. That's the second thing. The first thing was, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. How will he never again curse the ground? Get to the last clause. I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. So there is no more mass judgment like this. There will be something else. What is that something else? The fulfillment of the promise to Eve, the fulfillment of a son born of a woman sent under the law to redeem those under the law, as Paul would later uh, expound on. Right, right. So, I mean, that's, I mean, we're not saying that eschatologically that there's not going to be some, you know, um, hellfire and brimstone coming our way, no, like but, the Book but, of Revelation. But even then, preaches, though, but even Romans, saying, even Ro- we, even when you read, you have right. to read Revelation in light of what Peter has said and right, what, what right. uh, Paul have said. You you ignore Mary because she doesn't get a book. 
Mm-hmm. So Puff the Magic Dragon doesn't make the cut. Oh. So what, when we read that that fire in that lake of fire of casting and everything, we read that in light of the present creation being reserved for fire and Peter. But you even have to read that in light of Paul talking about the redemption groaning and waiting for the revelation that is to be revealed, the yeah. redemption. Yeah. God does not get the glory for redeeming if he burns this creation and creates a new one. Right. He does get the glory for redeeming if he cleanses this creation and redeems it, just as he cleanses and redeems us. See, that becomes the right. difference and the important thing. Hence the reason we can say what? While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Um, who was that little chick? It wasn't Shirley Temple. It was the other one. The sun will come up tomorrow, tomorrow. Why do we know the sun will come up tomorrow? It's not because we wrote a bad song about it in the 50s. It we know that because Annie, God right? has promised. Mm. What? Was that Shirley Temple? No, it was Annie, though. Wasn't it? Yeah, Orphan that's the Annie? musical, but who's the actress? You're, you're probably right. It's probably Shirley is Temple. Is it Shirley Temple? It probably is. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Shirley Temple's not the reason we believe this. We believe this because God has told you. There, <laughs> there's the dumbest thing I'm going to say today right there. We believe things not because of Shirley Temple, but because of Yahweh, the Most High. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take things that shouldn't have to be said out loud for a thousand, Alex. Oh, that's funny. So, you continue, get to chapter 9. God blesses Noah and his sons, tells them to be fruitful and multiply, so you get that dominion command. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, that's synonymous with subdue the earth. Fear of the animals is on him, he's now allowed to eat the animals, they are for food. And every moving thing, so everything that goes on, the blood is set aside because... You don't get to chug the blood of the cow you just slaughtered. Why? Because that blood, blood is blood. there as a reminder. There is a redemption in the blood. You saw that in the garden. You're seeing that now. You'll see that later on in the sacrificial system. The there is um there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Was that Leviticus um seventeen? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it seventeen? Nine. It's in Leviticus. It's in Leviticus. Read Leviticus. It will do you good. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Leviticus seventeen. Yeah. I should have written it down. See so, yeah. You get this set aside so that it's a reminder that as you're giving these sacrifices, even as you're slaughtering the animals for food, not for sacrifice or for worship, there is a reverence that should be paid that this thing was alive, and now it's not, and you have been given food. Right. This this is where I actually think the modern world makes it easier to forget God because we are so removed from how we get food. You know, right. It's just in those nice clean right. packages in the grocery store. So you don't have to worry about it. It's one of the reasons why I like and loathe hunting at the same time. Yeah. Because I actually, I, I enjoy sitting in the stand every fall going down to my in-laws. Yeah. And I sit there with a rifle and I'm quiet and I wait for the deer because I've kind of, I know where they come out and movements have been tracked. And when a large enough deer that is suitable for food comes out, I harvest it. And then I go and, and butcher the animal, and I have a freezer full of deer that I, my wife and I killed last year. And I enjoy doing it. I enjoy getting the meat. And at the same time, I loathe doing it, and I loathe getting the meat. Mm-hmm. Because every time I do it, I'm reminded of, one, the brutality and brokenness of this world and just how dependent I am on God. I mean, because even I'm to, the, I'm to the point now, I actually praise God more when I miss than, than when I get a deer. Because I'm sitting there going... You gave me everything, and I messed it up. Right, <laughs> my brokenness. But I mean, it's it's because there's a blessing to it because it, it puts. I mean, literally, my boots, my pants, my shirt, my hands. I have blood on me. I have a knife that's covered in blood. 
but I have bags that will provide for my family because of this gory work. And it's a reminder that this world is still toil because this world is not yet cleansed. God has promised the cleansing, but it is not yet here. Right. Now, how do we know that what God has promised, that he won't flood the earth again, will be, will be so? Because he wrote it down somewhere, right? Well, yes, because Shirley Temple didn't sing a song about it, right? right. right. <laughs> I establish my covenant with you. And all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is, I just lost my spot because I moved my tablet, that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. I keep losing my spots here. Again, the rainbow is not there to be like, oh, God looks at the rainbow and then you remember that he better turn the rain machine off. No, we look at the remain rainbow and go, this is a reminder that God has ordered and ordained this world to function in such a way that flood is not what we fear. God's judgment is what we fear, and then you see the provision of Christ, and I don't have to build a boat. I can trust in Christ. When the rains come, I can joke that, oh, if it rains anymore, I don't have to build a boat because I don't need to build a boat. My safety and security is not in my boat building skills. It is in my Savior who has died and taken my place. And there's a difference between those two things. This matters. Now, again, notice the language that is used. God has made a covenant. What was Noah's part of this covenant? Nothing. What was my part in this covenant? Nothing. God is promising. Seed time, harvest, summer, winter, it will remain. Floods will not destroy you. I am the Lord. This is similar to the covenant he made with Abraham or that he will make with Abraham later on in Scripture, Abraham has no part in it. God is promising to make him a nation, to bring him a blessing, to do all of these things. God redeems Israel, not because Israel has deserved it, but because God has chosen to redeem Israel. He has set them apart as his people. This has, again, nothing to do with them, and, once again, everything to do with God, and this matters. Now, we tell you that story so that we can talk about the concept of immutability, and it matters. God does not change. That is what it means to be immutable. I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Um, what is, is it? Malachi, because I do not change, O Israel, you are not destroyed. Yeah, because be God consumed. has promised yeah. this people, God has promised these descendants of Abraham, therefore, God will preserve these descendants of Abraham, not because, again, they deserve it, as Moses told them, you were the least of nations, but because he has promised and redeemed. Christian, this is why you continue to walk faithfully. Not because you will earn the kingdom, but because God has promised you in Christ that you will attain the kingdom. And what he has promised, he will fulfill. He does not go back on his word. He does not change his promises. He, He fulfills all that he has sworn to bring about now and forevermore. And there's nothing to worry about. What he has said, he will accomplish. What he has promised, he will fulfill. Ooh, that was loud. I apologize for that. Sorry, guys. I'm still tinkering with the microphone setup over here. Lou's looking at me like, stop touching it. Yeah. He's like <laughs> fidgeting with it. <laughs> this is why I have to have this pen in my hand because I'm over here fidgeting with it. I am I am ADHD and a fidgeter, and it's it's what I do. Yes. So I got to tinker. So if I don't tinker with the, some, the, with the right thing, I start tinkering with the wrong things, and then we all get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why this matters. God has promised 
that he will not flood the earth again. God has promised that he doesn't. He will not destroy the earth again. That's why Paul can talk about in Romans 8 a redemption for the earth because Paul's not looking for a judgment on the earth. The judgment has already come in the toil and the thorns and the thistles and the smog and the tornadoes and the hurricanes and all of that. The, we're looking for the redemption. Likewise, as Christians, we're not looking for a judgment. When we see hurricanes and tornadoes and natural disasters, or like we're looking at in the news this week, mass shootings in Colorado, we're not looking at that going, oh, judgment of God. No, we're looking at that going, the peace of Christ, that this is what the world brings, but that there is a Savior who will bring peace to the world. And if you people would simply bow the knee, this is not how we have to live. We can actually look to something better. And he will deliver these things because he has promised them. And what he has promised, he will deliver. I'm going to keep saying that because it matters. This is what immutability brings you. It brings you an unchanging God, a God who accomplishes his plans, fulfills his promises, and keeps his word. He doesn't just wake up one day. This is, Remove immutability from Yahweh, and you know what you actually end up? You know what world religion you end up with? You end up with Allah. Yeah. A capricious God capricious. who That's does what he desires. Along, yeah. Whatever Allah says is good, is good. Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says whatever God says is good because God is good. It's not good because Yahweh declared it. It's good because Yahweh declares what is good. He himself is goodness. Right. Quranic and Islamic teaching would tell you that Allah has declared it, therefore it is good. Why? Well, because Allah declared it. But what makes it good? Well, his declaration. No, biblical Christianity would tell you, no, it is good, not because God declared it, but because what God declares is good. Yeah. It was good before he declared it. His, de his declaration of it simply proved it good. There's a difference between those two places, and it's a very important one because it is a difference based on immutability, an unchanging character in nature. This is why John can talk about the love of God being poured out and continually being poured out because God loves his children. And he will never not love his children because in order for God to not love his children that he loves, he would change. That would deny immutability, would make Yahweh something less than, which means he's not God, which means we don't worship the right thing. Right. This concept matters not just in the practicality but in the – in the academic as well, in how we think about God, how we plan our lives. Again, the sun comes up tomorrow. Why? Not because of Shirley Temple, but because God has promised. And because God is in control of the universe, he will fulfill what he has promised. Therefore, the, the sun will come up tomorrow. I need to get Cameron to sing that. She's the actual singer in the family. Like, you couldn't tell. Right. <laughs> well, one of the things about sin is it's, it's kind of an idiomatic expression if you think about the word the hebrew words for it, it it's like you've missed the mark yes and and by by when we say god is immutable he's unchanging his word doesn't change therefore what he says is right today tomorrow will be right so you'll hit the target if you follow his ways it's this, not going to change. This is why we're. This is why we're told to walk faithfully, to right. trust in Him, to follow His path, to follow His faithful disciples. This is why we're given that because if God lays down the good path, and then Christ demonstrates the good path, and then Paul faithfully follows the path, and Peter faithfully follows the path, and we faithfully follow the words that they have given to us as they faithfully follow the path, we know the path hasn't moved. Right. It's still right where God left it. It didn't right. go anywhere. It's right there, right. and we can trust in it, right. and we're good, and we're happy, and every happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. Right, but so, it, it, we, we should 
That's why Sola Scriptura is so important. Our path is laid out before us. It's right there. It hasn't changed since it's been written. It's it's never changed. We are the ones that change. And that becomes the problem because yeah. we wander away. This is again why you stand firm, why you check yourself, why your anchor is supposed to hold, why you build on a firm foundation. All of these biblical illusions are given because the tendency of humanity is just like you said to wander. Yeah. Again, Noah was given a, a century and a fifth, got off the boat and started drinking a fifth. Right, because uh, because he turns away. And again, I don't begrudge Noah. He's six hundred and one years old. He gets off a boat. It's, it's been a tough year, fellas. Oh no! I, if if I was Noah, <laughs> I'd be drinking too. I'd have been drunk till I didn't know I was naked too. Yeah, I get it. That doesn't make it right. It just means I'm a dirty, rotten sinner like Noah. <laughs> Think about it. He had to grow the grapes first. <laughs> it took him a while. He was, I'm going to enjoy this, you know? Yeah, he's like, I have been thinking about this wine. I'm going to make light of it, but I... Well, you, you have to, because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah. Because again, what's what's the reminder? The reminder is that sin is corrupting. Right. And it's not corrupting a little bit. It's corrupting completely. It corrupts how I think. That's the noetic effect of the fall. And it corrupts what I do. That's the actual effect of the fall. And this matters, because again, God is the unmoving standard. I'm over here drifting. What Christ provides me is a lasso from God around my waist. Notice the direction there. It is not something that ties around God that I hold. It is something that is his. It is him that is now held around me. I persevere, not because of me, but because of him. I persevere not because of my goodness, but because of his gracious provision. And that's what matters here. That's how this is supposed to work, and that's how this always does work. So this is what we do, and this is how we do it. Now, uh, this is where it gets good. Yeah. Because we always talk about one of the reasons why we switched up our format a little bit is because we wanted to give you guys a kind of an example of what does it look like when you actually interact with this in the public square, when you take this idea and put flesh on these theologies. So – we walked through Genesis 6 through 9, not because it perfectly demonstrates immutability, but because it demonstrates how to rightly look at and handle this passage. We go over immutability because it helps you interpret a passage like this. God has made a promise. Therefore, we have grounding upon which to stand to fulfill the promise, right? Well, not us to fulfill the promise, but trust that God will fulfill the promise. Now, the reason I say this is because Popus Francicus has spoken. Isn't that his Latin name? I don't know, but it's funny to hear that every time. Pope Frankie? I mean, yeah. what would you like? Hey, Frankie. Yeah, hey, Frankie. Hey, Frankie, come here. Come here. I got a bones to pick with you, all right? Mm-hmm. You made a proclamation, and me and the boys, we got some questions, right. okay? I don't know why I've suddenly fallen into my Brooklyn accent, but I am, and I'm, I'm debating on going with it. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, Italians are, are good Catholics, right? And I'm a quarter Italian. <laughs> yeah. My name is actually Labate. It means the abbot. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's an Italian name. But when they got off the boat in New York, they're like, we're Americans now, so how do Americans say it? Labate. All right, we 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 say it Labate now, okay? <laughs> get in line. <laughs> that was kind of like in a Jamaican Italian. Get, get in line, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's Italians in Jamaica, New York. See, 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 see how it all oh, comes full circle? Oh, we got it now. See, yeah. there you go. Anyway, Popus Francicus has spoken, and he has warned that there is destruction coming from God. I got to use my fancy voice. There's destruction. Shun, 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 shun. Now, why is there destruction coming from God? Because God will judge us. 
well, yeah, because he's going to judge sin. So it's not me, but hairspray. you. That's what it is. That's the problem, believe it or not. Right. He's going to judge us because we are not addressing climate change seriously enough. Now, I laugh hysterically at this because I live in a Western country. Now, some of you, um, we have Canadian listeners, and we have Australian listeners, and we have UK listeners. I don't know where in the UK. It just tells me that you've downloaded from UK. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it lumps it lumps everything north of France in that little island chain as UK. So, even if you're not UK, like, isn't Northern Ireland not? The United Kingdom, or is it Ireland that's not the United Kingdom? Like, one is Great Britain and one's the United Kingdom, and I can never keep it straight. I can't. So anyway, we have people there. You're in a Western country, but do you know what our second most popular country for downloads is after the United States? I'm giving a little Australia? No, it's not Australia. They're like third or fourth on the list. Okay, okay. Huck is third. Saudi Arabia? No, you're getting closer, though. India. India. So we, we have listeners oh. in a non-Western country. Yeah, there's some smog there. Yes, you have the smog. Mm. You've got the smog, and we don't want it back. So they, they have, like, L.A. every day. Of course, mm-hmm. I say that. Well, our listeners are probably, like, in the nice parts of India. I don't know if there are nice or bad parts of India. I've never been to India. Mm. I, I don't even have a passport. The cool thing is it's it's these phones that we carry around that make it possible. Well, yes. So and, they could and, be in a completely— Yeah, there's no telling. Yeah. They might be sitting two miles from here and just claiming they're in India, for all I know. I <laughs> Yeah, maybe they got a VPN that's in India. <laughs> maybe I should do that. But anyway, so you guys actually have more pollution affecting the world than we do, which is why I always get a kick out of the fact that this is always addressed to the Western country. Like, you need to do something. It's not us, dude. It's it's North Korea. It's it's India and it's China. <laughs> there was I, I I read an article on this years ago. Some an economist was talking. He goes, you know, the problem we're going to have to deal with is, and this was probably twenty five years ago or more. He goes, what are we going to do when a billion Chinese wake up one day and decide they want to drive Ford Explorers? Because he was worried about climate issues. Right. And I'm like, you know, you got a point there because they outnumber us three to one. It's not us and our SUVs. What happens when they all start driving SUVs? Right. What happens when a billion people in the Indian subcontinent start driving SUVs? Right. So it's always addressed at us, and we're not – we didn't do it. As Billy Joel famously once said, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember the song now. Oh, I, that came on the radio the other day. I can still sing it, the whole thing. Oh, I couldn't. But yeah. I, I Harry know. German, Dollar Stay, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, it was frightening. I, I, I was having flashbacks to my childhood. But anyway, now because of this, Frankie is warning that if we do not fix the climate soon, the judgment of God will come. How is Frankie warning the judgment of God will come? Yeah, God will send us another flood. I didn't say that. Francicus said that. Yeah. And yes, I am purposely not saying Pope Francis because I'm not giving the man that level of respect. He has not earned it. He, yeah. he does not He does not rate it. He's probably a really nice guy. Like if, if he and I sat down and like, you know, had corned beef on St. Patrick's Day, we'd probably get along smashingly. I, I mean, I don't know. Does he speak he English? He probably don't drink yet. <clears throat> well, he probably could. He's, he's, a, he's living in Italy. He's Argentinian. I mean, it's Italy. They, the, the, the three, they invented the martini lunch, for crying out loud. I mean, come on now. Going to family functions as a kid, it's like, oh, it's, it's, we start with two kegs? There's like eight people here. Yeah, okay, there we go. It'll be gone. Yeah, don't worry about it. That's why they made the pasta, boy. That's why they made the pasta. Right. <laughs> All those carbs absorb the alcohol. It'll be okay. So, yeah, he probably can't outdrink me, but that's not a problem. I have a question. Has he read a Bible? I, I don't. Wait. I, I know, don't I know. wonder about that myself. I, I mean, I know the cardinals get together in the little room 
and then they send the little white smoke up the chimney. I always wonder how they make sure it's the white smoke. Like, do they do they have do they do, do you buy that at Party City? I don't know. I, I or I've seen it done a couple of times. You I just buy don't it at know. the Party City, and we put it in the fireplace, and we light the smoke, and everybody knows we have elected the new pope. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me what that was either. Oh, I mean, my goodness. I've often wondered, but I don't know what the qualifications are in that room. I mean, do they rock, paper, scissor tournament for it? Do they thumb wrestle? Um, do you just kick each other in the shins until somebody submits, and then the guy who's last man standing is Pope? I would think somewhere in the qualifications there would be has read the Bible at least once, right. has been to a Sunday school class, like most eight-year-olds in a Baptist church who have been through like two years of Sunday school know that God's not flooding the earth again. And how do I know that? Because he gave us the rainbow. Well, yeah, he promised us. Hopacus I mean, that was should a sign know this. of the promise, but the, the promise is what God said it was. He was never again. Oh, no, no, I, I get that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just pointing out from children know yeah, right. that there's not coming another flood. I got to stop. I'm shaking my microphone. It's probably annoying, annoying all the people at home. I apologize, people. I mean, the the Pope should know this. Right. This this should be like it's appalling. Like, is there Pope class? It, it, like, is, is there Popeology one hundred and one? Like, here's the promises of God. These are the things He said He's gonna do, and like, there should be a list. And then these are the things He said He's not gonna do, and there should be a list. Now, why am I making such a big? Why am I apoplectic about this? Basic. Such a big word. <laughs> I do, don't you love that? I dropped Francacus and apoplectic in the same podcast. I am a he's man been, of many talents. He's been waiting to use that word. None of them good. <laughs> I will, from this point forward, eschew any more large words. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a dictionary out if this keeps up. Uh, Michael Thesaurus Labate. That's my name, and I'm sticking to it. So, no, I mean, Cardinal doctrines of understanding God. When we went through the doctrine of God, go back and listen to it. It's in last year's. You can find it. We talked about the aseity of God. We talked about the immutability of God. We talked about the transcendence and the imminence of God. These are basic Christian concepts. Yes, they have big fancy words, but they are basic Christian concepts. You should not be able to aspire and attain the level of popery that Frankie has obtained without knowing that God has promised to never flood the earth again. Yeah. Well, it just, it, I doubt whether he doesn't know that it's written somewhere. It's, it's the fact that they don't hold the scriptures but, but as, if you're willing infallible. to sacrifice, even if the scriptures aren't infallible, they're part of the three-legged stool. Well, they believe they're infallible, so why wouldn't their scriptures be infallible? But there's still a three-legged stool. It's not a, it's not a unicycle. Right. I mean, it's still the tricycle of faith. I, I, I'm going with this. Or, would, right. or we would prefer, if we keep the three-legged stool, should we go with a pogo stick? Three, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's no analogy. pogo stick of pope. Of, there's no... Pogo stick of popery. Oh, I like that. The pogo stick of popery. I want t-shirts. <laughs> with, with him. Yes, with just the face on the, on the little, yes, yes, yes. I want t-shirts. If you'd like to make that t-shirt, you can send that to uh, 6286 Linden Road, Rockford, Illinois, 61109. I will be eternally grateful, and you will get a shout out in the next podcast. So anyway, all right. Yeah, I want Pope Frankie's face on a pogo stick on a t-shirt. <laughs> Pope, Pope. Popery, pogo, pogo stick, popery. There we go. We don't have that. They have, they're supposed to have a three-legged stool. So you've got scripture, mm-hmm. you've got history, which is contained within the magisterium. 
So that includes councils, the prior teachings of the other pogo stick poperies. You've got all of that. And then the other leg is the ex-cathedra infallibility of the pope. And that's the beauty of, of, of the papal infallibility. It's only in effect if he speaks ex-cathedra from right. the chair. A lot of people get, miss yeah. that. Yeah. So this is an ex-cathedra. So he's wrong. They have not declared this as an and is an emphatic dogma that God is going to flood the planet if we don't fix the climate. So this is not ex cathedra. So he is capable of erring, but he is literally running smack dab into the magisterium and the scripture and just saying, "I don't care." Right? That's, How? That, yeah, applies in the face of scripture. He's a false prophet. Well, agreed, but he's a heretic. But Christian. This is why you don't let the world beat you over the head with these things. This is why you just laugh and ignore them because it doesn't matter. This is the standard for, well, the Pope said, bite me, okay? That's my new response. Whenever somebody's going to come to me and says the Pope says, I'm just going to look at them bite me mm-hmm. I, because that's the nice thing I can say. Right. There, this is ridiculous, and this is also, Christian, why you must be grounded. You want to stop the world from bringing you idiotic questions? Do you want to stop the world from judging your faith without giving you a hearing? Then, when they bring you, look, you got to get on with the climate change business. And look, I'm not even sure climate change isn't a real thing. I'm not even sure we did it. I don't know. But the next time the world looks at you and says, you got to get on board and this is what you got to do. So, electric cars for everybody and shoot all the cows and, you know, Eat grass for the rest of your life or whatever it is they're trying to get me to do next. Right. You have to do this. And and look, 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 Here, here's the Pope telling you that if you don't do it, God's going to send a flood. All right, first of all, there's this thing called immutability. Immutable what? Immutability. It comes from the aseity of God, you know, the aseity of God, the, the, un, the, the of self-existence God. of God. Because he is self-existence, because he, himself, he is self-existent, he is also immutable, therefore he is unchangeable. Therefore, when he promises something, he stands firm on that promise because he is incapable of reneging on it. Right. And they're going to blink at you and go, so what's that got to do with anything? Well, see, he's actually put in a book that he's promised not to do this again. So Pope Frankie's an idiot. All right, there you go. Next question. And you know what they're not going to do anymore? They're not going to come to you with dumb accusations, and when they do come to you, they will do what was affectionately known in the street as come correct. Hmm. They will actually treat you with a modicum of respect because you believe something, and wait for it, wait for it, you have an actual reason why you believe it. It's almost like when we sit there and say that when we have a reason for the hope that lies within us, we don't just mean, well, Jesus loves me, this I know. What we actually mean is I can stand on Scripture and defend it and explain it because I understand it. Right. right. And that starts with being able to read your Bible and make simple sense out of stuff. Shameless plug alert part two. This is, again, why I'm going through a worldview foundations because how do you just start at the beginning, make your way through the Bible, and actually have some ground to stand on? That's what we're doing. That's what Lou and I are doing here each week. We're saying, look, this is Scripture. This is what it says. Here's a doctrine of Scripture that functions in this manner. Now, here's something idiotic from the world where you need to apply this truth rightly. This is Christian Living 101. So, Francicus failed Popery 101. Please don't fail Intro to Christianity 101, which is understanding the complexity and interrelatedness of Scripture. Understanding that what God says at the beginning of the book is actually applicable at the end of the book. And the stuff that happens in the middle of the book doesn't appear out of thin air. It actually is connected to the end 
and to the beginning. And they interwork and interweave together to produce a consistent biblical revelation that we can stand and build our lives upon. <sighs> right. I mean, the Word of God is that foundation that is built on the rock, and it, it's not going to get blown away when a storm comes. It's not going to change. You can build your house on it and know that your house is going to stand when tough times come. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah, I mean, the world seems like it's a crazy place. There's wars and there's well, rumors of wars and there's, you know, earthquakes in diverse places. I mean, we can look at the scriptures and say, wow, man, we're living in some really strange times. And But there's really nothing new under the sun. No. God hasn't changed. He's made a promise. He said he's not going to destroy the world with a flood again. And we can take that one to the bank. We can cash that one because he said he's, he said it. Yeah. I believe it. And they put it in a book. And they put it in a book. <laughs> it's written down. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. All right. So what have we learned here today, children? God is the righteous judge. God is the righteous savior. And sola scriptura is needed now more than ever. And God is immutable. Yes. God has a faithful standard that he will uphold. All right. Questions, comments, complaints. Send them. Info at practicaltheologyministries.com. We'll be glad to listen. If you have a question about a doctrine, send it. If you have a doctrine you want us to expound on and pontificate. Oh, see, see, see. Oh, Oh, you like that. We did it again. We can pontificate on. Send that to us. We'll be glad to cover that. I'm always scouring for stories and things that will help make sense of everything. Again, shameless plugs. Uh, Cameron and I are planning on sitting down tomorrow to go through our little week in review. We've got fun stuff to go through, trying to examine some of the pop culture things in the world from a Christian perspective. Going through worldview events, you can check out the website, practicaltheologyministries.com. There's some resources, uh, reading plan, book. You can find links to the church, find sermons, all that good stuff. Hopefully. All of this coming together to make you a better person, make you a better Christian, because those two things go together so that you can walk faithfully in this world. So, until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.